This is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement building show. Wake up and smell the revolution. Um, obviously, today, every show for a long time is going to be about Palestine. But in terms of why you listen to Voices from the Front Lines, because every show has a different contribution, is... Um, I'm director of the labor, oh, I'm a co-director of the Labor Community Strategy Center. I was director for a long time, but I'm going to have my co-director on with me, Channing Martinez. You have to understand that the Strategy Center is where you go to figure out what do you do about it. So there are other shows that are great that focus on the horror of the world, and that's very important, or the history, which we also do. But in order to find my own sanity, uh, I have to figure out what to do about it because, or at least to have an idea of what could be done about it. And there is some brutally uh, long-term and short-term, you could say optimistic developments around Palestine and how uh, the Hamas insurgency, and that's what it was, has thrown the whole world into crisis because there was an insurgency against Israel Whereas the two million people in Gaza uh, who are, if you can imagine that, blockaded by air, land, and sea, you can't get in. It's not a prison. I don't like saying it's an open-air prison. It's an open-air concentration camp. I mean, I can't even imagine. And the, as you'll know, uh, the uh, Egyptians are preventing any movement uh, out of Gaza. But... I'm going to do a lot of work today. I've been trying to study and grasp uh, questions of strategy about what is Israel doing today? What is uh, the United States doing today? What is Russia doing? What's China doing? What's Iran doing? I just begun it as a, you know, uh, influenced by Fareed Zakaria's uh, GPS I'll tell you about on Sunday. So that'll be the second part of the show is what's my efforts to begin to piece together an analysis of what's happening. But the first part of the show, and if I may be honest, is a part of the show that a lot of KPFK listeners don't seem to give a damn about, which is South Central Los Angeles <laughs> and the genocide and blockade that's taking place among black people in this city. The vast majority of uh the liberals, the anti-war people in, in LA, who are very important, come from the white west side. They they know about 
South Yemen and South America and South this, but they don't know about South Central because they don't care. So it's a strange thing with the anti-war, even, quote, anti-imperialist forces in the city are overwhelmingly white because they can't even connect with black people. (laughs) And in a certain way, they don't give a damn. And I know having talked to them uh, that they don't. So it's not just a a crime of omission. It's a crime of commission. So in that context, I want to introduce my friend and co-worker and partner Channing Martinez because he's written this uh, great article uh, called The Blockade. It's called Taste of Soul, Locked Out of Our Own Black Communities, Thoughts from a Black Organizer in South Central Los Angeles. So, hey, Channing, good morning. Good morning. Well, I've loved your article. I got it yesterday morning. You said, what do you think? I have some thoughts. And it's one of the finest things you've written. So why don't you summarize what's the storyline that you're trying to tell our listeners? And by the way, there is going to be a, this is a fundraiser, a funding drive at 818-985-5735. You, for $250, you're going to get this four DV set called Al Nakba which is an Al Jazeera amazing, heartbreaking story about the uh, creation of Israel all all the time as an uh, agent from the very beginning of the European powers. And the Nakba being the crime, the, the tragedy of the displacement of almost a million people from Palestine. And then the suppression, oppression of those who remain. So for two hundred fifty dollars, you get the uh, the uh, Al Nakba four uh, DVD set. So it's a film, and you get my book, Playbook for Progressives: uh, The Sixteen Qualities of a Successful Organizer. And we're also offering that book for a hundred dollar uh, donation. Okay, I'll come back to that in a minute. But nothing stopping you while you're listening to Channing from calling eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. 818-985-5735. So, good morning, Channing. What's on your mind? morning. Well, first of all, that sounds like the perfect house party and the house organizing party kit that we're offering. And so I, I definitely want to second your encouragement for folks to call uh, KPFK and get that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I woke up yesterday after I think now six years of frustration with the taste of soul and realized I needed to write something about this frustration because it's not just simple frustrations. Everything that they have done is very systematic and fits into what is amounts to neocolonialism in South Los Angeles. Why don't you tell our listeners who don't know what taste of soul is, what is it, and then go after them. Sure. <laughs> then go after them. Sure. <laughs> uh, Taste the Soul is one of the largest street festivals in, in Los Angeles, period. Um, there are hundreds of vendors and there are several stages. So lots of food, um, lots of businesses and opportunities for the city to bring out all their departments to say that they like the black community and give out free information. Um, and then there's a lot of vendors, but their word on the street is most of the vendors don't actually make money um, except for the food. Uh, so that is what it is. Um, in theory, 
their whole marketing plan is around a taste of soul or a taste of the black community. Um, what we have found, though, is that you don't fully really get a taste of the black community um, because most prevalently, um, the most important part of the black community is not included in the festival, which is social justice, civil rights, climate justice, and all the things that black people are fighting against. Yeah, so um, um, one of the things you've been talking about is, uh, and my friend uh, Junius Williams has a show called Everything is Political, and yesterday I was saying to you that, you know, their taste of soul is depoliticizing, uh, and you said, no, 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 it's 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 got politics, which, duh, of course you were right. So we never used the word depoliticizing, even though I did. Uh Tell us what's the politics of Taste of Soul, and what are you trying to say about what's the politics you want? Well, the politics is that the organizers of Taste of Soul are really deeply connected to the Democratic Party. And yes, this always goes back to the Democratic Party, um, because that's who's in charge. And they cannot bring themselves to see Black people as anything other than their constituents, their voters, their consumers, or as I say in the article, as proponents to be used in their own plan to gain personal power as opposed to bringing up the entire black community. Um, and so when you have an entity like the Strategy Center and Strategy and Soul that is taking on the Democratic Party on so many things, but especially on the anti-blackness in schools and the anti-blackness in buses, it's only natural that the festival doesn't want to and has has motivation to not include the Strategy Center in its festival um, because then it challenges everything else in the festival. Well, you know, um, I've been up half the night doing this research on the Palestine situation and your talk the other night about how Gaza and South Central are two sides of the same coin. In the election between uh, uh, Hamas, and you, people don't need the Hamas, won an election in Gaza against the Palestine Authority. Uh, it said that the United States Office of Indi Indi USAID, US Aid for Independent Development, whatever it's called, used discretionary spending accounts for various projects, including tree planting, schoolroom additions, a soccer tournament, street cleaning, and computers at community centers. USAID removed its usual branding requirement on its sponsored activity. As a result, the U.S. was accused of trying to influence the outcome of the elections towards the Palestine Authority. So the whole concept of tree planting and athletes saying, let's give back to the community by going to hospitals or something and giving, but not let's have a revolution. So what we deal with and you deal with all the time is the Democratic Party in this case or U.S. imperialism creating all these little trivial, uh, trivializing what could be a great experience, right, as an effort to be politically intervening what's going on. Right, exactly. I mean, and, and let me respond to that, that here you have a festival that brings 50,000 black people right. back to South LA. Most of those people, 
and ask anyone that organizers in the neighborhood. Most of those people used to live in South Central Los Angeles. They can no longer afford to, or they have moved out because of criminalization in schools, in the hospitals, on the buses, you name it. They have moved out. And they come back for one day for this festival. Um, and to our prize and demise, the <laughs> taste of soul makes it clear by putting up gates in front of the businesses that they do not like. That they To make it clear that those businesses are not part of the festival. In other words, what it means is that for a big festival coming to town, in the normal scheme of things, that festival is supposed to enrich that area. When Ciclavia comes to your part of town, they encourage every single business to be open for people who participate in Ciclavia to enrich that area. Here, you have a moment where South LA is literally dying. There are closed businesses on every single corner. And Taste the Soul chose to put a fence in front of the one of the last Afrocentric bookstores in South Los Angeles. Chose to tell... What's the name of that bookstore? Strategy and Soul Bookstore. <laughs> they chose to tell 50,000 black people to not go to that last bookstore. And I think they have to take responsibility for that. Do you have your article in front of you? I do. Why don't you find something? It's so brilliantly written, and we're going to... Have we put it out yet on the uh, uh, Strategy Center Voices from the Frontlines email yet? Uh, it has gone out to the Strategy Center email. We'll go out to Voices from the Frontlines today, and it's published right now on the strategycenter.org. Well, one thing, folks, is if you would go on Voices from the Frontlines, we've been getting a lot of registrations, and next week I'll read the names of people. Go on VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com and register, because that's how you get the email, but also it's how we know you care about us. Uh, it's brilliantly written. Read some stuff. Um, sure, I'll read. <clears throat> Let's see. Um in a responsible method that every big festival should do as part of their role in bringing hundreds and thousands to the neighborhood, Ciclavia wants to encourage the thousands of people to enrich that area. One of the big benefits of a street festival is to bring light to elements of the neighborhood that would otherwise go unnoticed. You know who else come, carries out this responsible method? The Kingdom Day Parade, the 10th anniversary of Black Lives Matter LA, the Pan-African Film and Arts Festival, the Strategy Center, not Taste of Soul. You know what they do instead? They put up gates in front of the local businesses to make it very clear that the local businesses are not part of the festival and to discourage people who go to Taste of Soul from any point paying attention to any local businesses. Just like the white power structure, the Taste of Soul operates the same way. The festival leaders want the area because it's known as black. And by the way, that is their profitable brand. Hmm. But they don't actually want the black people in the area as anything other than consumers of their niche inclusions in their festival. Keep going. You're on a roll. Sure. I, I'll skip to the last paragraph. Um, the physical dynamics of a, of a street festival mean everything. 
And it seems that there are at least two festivals that come to town every year that are very hostile to the local black community. One of them is Taste of Soul Festival. We always talk about, as black people, we should come together. I think we need to reflect on the hostile tactics of both of these festivals, that is, Taste of Soul and Juneteenth, um, in order to not perpetuate the racism against the black community. There is no coming together if major proponents in the black community continue to do hostile tactics against the black community and its black institutions. I'll go further. There is no coming together if the subset of people can only see black people as their constituents, consumers, voters, or elements to be used in their grander plan to gain power for themselves rather than lifting up the whole black community. Well, as my longtime partner, this is your breakthrough article, brother. I mean, it's got your, it goes back to, uh, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, what's the <laughs> college you went to? I'm blocking it. Oh, Otis College of Urban Design. Yeah, you get, you're bringing some of that. You're bringing in some of Leanne Hurstman's urbanism. You're bringing in, uh, you know, we've been working, you know, I work with Channing, we're partners along with Akuna Uka and Barvalat Han. The four of us are a team. Uh, happy to have Monolati Walker work with us now. And um, we are really trying to rebuild. That's what we're trying to do is rebuild South Central. I want to read another th- thing from your article. Uh, oh, yeah. It says, just look at the corner of King and Crenshaw, where we work, where we live. This is the strategy center, 3546 Martin Luther King Boulevard at the corner of Crenshaw in between McClung and Crenshaw. We have half that block. Uh, we need you to come to the Strategy and Soul Bookstore, Strategy and Soul Film Theater. If you get on the uh, VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com mailing list, you'll be getting invitations to public film showings book signings. So we're trying, at the same time we've invested a lot of money in building a bookstore, a film theater, a community organizing center. <laughs> then you walk in on the, we're about to go to the Palestine rally and to the Filipino Workers Center event, and there's a fence around us. So this is not abstract, the work that Channing's doing, but there's a great line here. Oh, It says, just look at the corner of King and Crenshaw what I call downtown South Central L.A. This is Jenny Martinez. You have Krispy Kreme on one corner, Louisiana Fried Chicken on the second corner, now closed, Macy's on a third, now closed, Walmart on a fourth, now closed, Albertsons, where we, our team goes, cause, is a 10-minute walk from the corner and is behind a gate with bushes. Strategy and Soul is a one-minute walk from the corner. The Taste of Soul Festival chose to put up gates in front of the few businesses and institutions that are left in the area. They chose to block them off and discourage thousands of, this is Channing Martinez, of black people who have already been pushed out of the area, who come back for one day for this festival, discourage them even looking or thinking about and recognizing the local businesses as left. And also Channing, which we know is... You know, uh, we're working in the Black Student Achievement Program where there's wonderful groups working together. You know, Students Deserve, Community Coalition, uh, United Teachers of Los Angeles, Cadre, uh, Inner City Struggle, to politicize 
the fight uh, in the schools about anti-blackness. And it's not only that we're blocked out. It's that on the day where we chose, tell them the story of when we printed 5,000 flyers out, oh my God, 50,000 people are coming. What was our political conclusion, even of the people who, in my opinion, were mentally blocked out? Right. I mean, our our political conclusions are that of organizing, where at least 10% of people are going to get it. If 50,000 people are coming, we can't print anything less than 5,000 <laughs> right. flyers because, I mean, that that's only going to be a penny for them. And so I really encouraged, because I saw 50,000 people the year before, we need to get as many flyers out there. There's all these black people and... The previous year hasn't been great because a lot of black people are moving out, and here they come, and we need to get them. And we moved with a lot of excitement because a lot of black people were coming back. And I kid you not, less than 100 people wanted to pay attention to us. And we felt bad because maybe we thought, you know, we did a bad flyer or something. But <laughs> in retrospect, the reality that we are learning even as we put on events, is that the character of the people that attend the event are very tied to the character of the folks that are putting on the event, which means that if they are bringing you to an event to be very political and be engaging, most people who come to that event are going to be very political and very engaging. If they are coming, uh, if they are bringing you there to just be consumers and to be passive and to not rock the boat, then guess what? Most people that go to that festival are going to be consumers, they're going to be passive, and they're going to be taught to not rock the boat, which means that they're not going to want a flyer that says Stop MTA Racism, or they're not going to want a flyer that says Afrocentric Bookstore, 40 most important books to read in a lifetime to create a revolution, right? (laughs) Well, you know what's funny is that what we found, because one of my slogans is everybody's got a left wing, you just got to find it, is those same people are being beaten up by the police. Those same people have had a miserable life in this country, but they still believe in the American dream until Malcolm X started talking and shaking them up, when the Black Panthers started talking, when King started talking. So what did they do? They killed King, they killed Malcolm, they killed the Black Panthers. Really, the system, as we're going to talk about, and you know, again, folks, I know you about Hamas, but Channing and I, I have to say, we start with South Central. We start, our heart and soul begins in the black community. And what happens when I talk to people is it's almost like, uh, you know, I say, um, well, I told the story like I was in Paris, and um, we we were in Paris for the uh, uh, United Nations uh, Framework Conference on Climate Change. And I go into this uh, coffee shop or whatever, you know, these uh, uh, coffee places that are really cool in Paris. And the waiter comes over, and he seems clearly he's Arab. And he says, how you doing? I said, fine. And he says, what do you want? I said, well, I'm here. <laughs> you know me. i here because we're trying to build a movement against U.S. imperialism. We're trying to build a movement to stop the U.S. from taking over the uh uh, the conference, we're here because we're in solidarity with the people of Palestine. We saw the film Battle of Algiers. He says, uh, 
good. So what do you want to eat? So, <laughs> so I tell him. The next day, I come back, same waiter. He says, you know what? I hate the French. I want to kill them. Yeah. I hate being here. These people are such a bunch of racists. They get me sick. You're the first person who ever, it's like I never heard this before. Nobody and who looks like you, who's mainly a Jew and white guy. It, it took me a day to figure out, oh, my God, I was hoping you came back. So what is my point? That you, Channing, we are trying to wake up a, a community that used to be the leading mental, psychological, political, ideological, cultural leaders of the whole country and still are as bad as the whole country is. They're still the most advanced people. And our struggle, just as you said, you wake up with that wonderful, you know, <laughs> I always do. Okay, we got this. We got 5,000 flyers. We got, you know, but we're winning. I really think for the first time, Channing, you know, the vision we've had is starting to take place in South LA. Don't you? I think so. I think so. I mean, we are up against a crazy system, but I mean, having gone to the LA Times Festival of Books, and now people are coming in from out of town and saying, I heard about Strategy Called Bookstore, I wanted to come right over. I think it's having an impact. It's slower than I would like, but it is having an impact. Well, you know, I think organizing by its very nature has to be optimistic. I mean, we couldn't do this if we didn't have hope. And I think there's a lot of hope in your leadership. Uh, you alone are one of the greatest achievements we've had. And Akuna Uka is so dynamic. Barbara Holland is just one of the most brilliant uh, organizational minds and psychological minds about knowing how people really think and feel. And uh, I am optimistic. And I think that that's why they put a gate around us. And uh, so, folks, we need you to come to Strategy and Soul Bookstore. Tell us the address. Tell us how to reach you, Channing. And we're going to put this out tomorrow. I just want to say again, it's the most brilliant thing you've ever written. But more importantly, it's one of the most brilliant analysis of the complexity of the politics of counterinsurgency that the Democratic Party and the capitalist class are creating. And we are building a revolution, and they're building a counter-revolution. Uh, absolutely. Uh, just one point to please, that. please Thank get you. the last I, word. I love that. Thank you. Um, I think the one point because you mentioned LUSD is that we this article features taste of salt, but when you look at just about every institution in Los Angeles, we are having the exact same struggle. Right. Different words, different concepts, but same struggle. And with LUSD as an example is that they are priding themselves on making community partnerships with uh, institutions to support black students and the black student achievement struggle. The struggle that we're having with them is the exact same because those partnerships they're talking about is with the Staples Center. It's with the new stadium, right? right. It's with the Los Angeles community, uh, the LACMA, the museum, right? Right, right? It's not with the Mamie Clayton Museum. It's not with Strategy <laughs> and Sold Bookstores. And right. it wasn't with SO1 Bookstores. And so we're having the exact same struggle that while I'm talking about Taste the Soul, this is a whole systematic issue that is being pushed by the entire Democratic Party in Los Angeles. 
Um, and so I just want to throw that in there. Well, I and, think it's very important to kick the Democratic Party to the curb every time you talk, which you do. So that's your last word, okay, brother? That's your last word because it's 829, and I want to get to Palestine. Thanks for everything, Channing, and keep writing. Uh, if you want to get Channing's writings, seriously, Channing Martinez, co-director of this Labor Community Strategy Center, you can reach him. Is it okay at Channing at thestrategycenter.org? Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So send him an email. Seriously. Uh, send me, CC me at uh, eric at voicesfromthefrontlines.com and go on voicesfromthefrontlines.com and register because we get the registrations and that knows you're out there, okay? And next week I'm going to read a list of the last 15 or 20 people that registered. So we're going to take a short break. Thanks for everything, Channing, and I'm going to do some commentary on Palestine. And if we have time around 8.50, we're going to go to the phones so it's how, Gary. How does it work? If they go eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five, first give money is option one. Is that correct? Thanks. So option two is to give money. Option one is to talk. Why well, can't hold you to the honor system? Hit option two first. Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. Get the amazing four DVD set Al Nakba. And also, my book, Voices of my book, uh, what's it called? Uh, Playbook for Progressives, The 16 Qualities of a Successful Organizer, because that is a very optimistic book about what to do, The 16 Qualities of a Successful Human Being. The Successful, it's got a lot of psychology in it, not just, you know, mechanical Stuff. It's, it's how to be a good listener is one, how to be a good group builder, how to be a propagandist and agitator, how to be a fundraiser. And one thing I'll say about fundraising is some people say at KPFK, make sure you do the pitch. I don't do a pitch. And neither is Margaret Prescott. We do an appeal. We appeal to your soul. Notice I keep strategy and soul. There's a lot of soul. We appeal to your politics. 818-985-5735 for two fifty. You get the Al Nakba four DVD set and my book Playbook for Progressives. For a hundred dollars, you get my book Playbook for Progressives. Obviously, I give all those books to KPFK with no charge. So every dollar you give goes directly to the station. Gary, why don't we take a break? You're on KPFK ninety point seven FM and ninety eight point seven FM Santa Barbara streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. Get you down 
everybody. Keep it going. This is Donny Hathaway, the amazing Donny Hathaway. We'll listen for another minute. funny i i know that song but before i knew the song i, I just as soon as i heard donny hathaway's voice i realized i said to gary Bach, who's in the studio all the time runs the show is that donny hathaway he said yeah no it's interesting about how the human voice the you know every time somebody calls up who i know they don't have to say their name i just as soon as they say two words so how almost every universe Every human voice is different, and every un human voice is being killed by the United States in Gaza. Every human voice is being killed in South Central. Every person they kill is a real person with a real voice, a special person. It's funny how in September 11th they did, uh, this is Eric Mann, on Voices from the Frontlines. Uh, after September 11th, the New York Times did the biography of the 1,000-plus people who were killed at the World Trade Center, which I think is good to humanize the cost. But nobody, you know, they've killed 5,000 or more people in Gaza. Uh, half the people in Gaza are under, I've learned, is under 18 years old. It's worse than that. They talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. You've seen pictures of kids screaming and yelling, and they're drinking salt water. They're... Uh, so the point is that it's not like I don't understand the outrage. Of course I do. But the only thing keeping me sane, which is why you got to listen to voices and get other people to listen, is because Channing Martinez is just one of the finest organizers. And I'm pretty good, too. And the strategy is pretty good. So when you get on this show, you're going to hear a little bit about strategy and tactics. What are we going to do? For a lot of you, you don't think about that. You just... Oh, that's terrible. Let's hear the you know, the latest analysis of what we already know in some ways. So I'm going to try to not just tell you what you don't know. I'm going to try to tell you what I don't know, which is I'm trying to figure out the politics of what's going on here. Um, let me start with how my mind works. Um, the first time I understood this concept is uh, when I was in Newark, I was already... Uh, active, even providing some leadership in the anti-war movement against the war in Vietnam. I've been organized in April of 1965 by the uh, SDS March on Washington, which I'll tell you about some other time, which truly transformative experience in terms of the role of the spoken word, that is to say, the speeches. And Paul Potter did a whole speech about what kind of system would drop napalm on children? What kind of system would uh, kill black people in Mississippi. And Bob Moses said, we have to link defoliation in South, uh, in Vietnam, which means the United States <laughs> dropping napalm and other things to take away any kind of plants or trees so that the people in Vietnam would just be standing naked to be bombed as they are in 
Gaza. I left with a tremendous sense of outrage, but then, as always, my job was, what are we going to do about it? So I moved to Newark. I was already with the Congress of Racial Equality. I moved to Newark, New Jersey, to be with this wonderful black-led, but also with a lot of uh, small number of white <laughs> civil rights organizers, and the best of whom was Tom Hayden, who was there and played a big role. So Tom went to Vietnam. In the first trip of uh, Herbert Apthecker and Staunton Lynn and Tom, the first group of people that went to Hanoi and uh, came back, of course, with tremendous stories about the, the damage that the United States was doing in North Vietnam. And then we start getting all these phone calls and, you know, everybody's calling for Tom. And, then I, and I say to Tom, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to D.C. to talk to Bobby Kennedy. And I went, what? You go to D.C. to talk to Bobby Kennedy? The Kennedys are killing people in Vietnam. The Kennedys are the problem. And Tom says, yeah, I'm going because the Vietnamese told me to. I said, what do you mean? Well, there's got to be somebody on the other side to negotiate with, Eric. How are you going to end the war? The marches? Protests? If you don't convince people in the U.S. ruling class to end that war... There is no end to the war. And the Vietnamese have given me certain messages to signal to Bobby Kennedy about certain negotiations. Yes, negotiations they want to have with the U.S. It was a profound wake-up experience that in the middle of a genocidal war, the Vietnamese being communists, who, by the way, I'll talk about are being kept out of the Middle East, have been driven out of the Arab world. The communists have a sense of strategy and tactics, and they're always trying to negotiate. Now, that brings me to Palestine. The first thing to understand is all the parties are talking to each other. Hamas, they work through intermediaries. Everybody is talking. Israel is talking to Hamas. Hamas is talking to Israel. They do it indirectly. Hamas talks to Jordan, which is an ambivalent force, I know, but then Jordan conveys the message to Israel and the United States. Then the United States talks to Qatar, talks to Saudi Arabia. They're all talking to each other. So if you're not, and you're just into right and wrong, you don't even know what's going on there. Because the Palestinian Authority is not supporting Hamas. Uh, many forces around the world are, such as the People's Republic of China, which we'll talk about. So my point is you need to understand that all these forces are trying to divide up the world. The Chinese trying to create an alternative to the United States. The United States terrified that the People's Republic of China is getting involved now in the Middle East, of all things. To make it more complicated, which I'll talk about, the Chinese are coming to the United States to negotiate about trade, to negotiate about the war that the United States is waging against the people of China. Why are they talking to each other? Because that's how it works. So you need to know 818-985-5735. For $250, you get both the film... Al-Nakba, but you also get my book, Playbook for Progressives, The 16 Qualities of a Successful Organizer. 
And you need to know that Channing and I will attack the Democratic Party in general and negotiate and meet with some great people in the Democratic Party, some amazing people in the Democratic Party, some middle-of-the-world people, and even some reactionary people because we don't stand on the outside throwing rocks at the system. We maybe throw rocks at the system, then we walk in to negotiate. So for most of you, this is just a whole other concept <laughs> that, yes, you begin with right and wrong, without outrage, without without outrage, without understanding the right and wrong of things. I get it. That's what gets all of us beginning. But it's the intricacies and even the excitement of the politics that makes the hope. So that's the main message, and then I'm going to read different stuff. I am going to start with the rights and wrongs and the horrors of it, because otherwise... So in uh, Fareed Zakaria, they have uh, it's a great show, GPS, every Sunday, and he is the most advanced. He's both an advocate of the United States, he is internationally, but <laughs> he, the number of anti-imperialist things he says... To get the United States to understand it's a multipolar world, you need to know it's revolutionary because the United States knows it could be, is out to destroy China, destroy Russia, Venezuela, Cuba, Iran, Iraq, even destroy its allies who make any differences with U.S. imperialism. So when Fareed Zakaria says, I definitely support the United States, I think, but he's trying to warn Israel as is Obama. And I'll read about Barack Obama's terrific statement on the Middle East. I think that'll be the main thing I'll start reading. Is Israel, you're making a big mistake. You have all the military power. You're going to kill a whole lot of people. Your future is not good. I mean, you have an atom bomb. You have support of U.S. imperialism. But inside the United States, there is an anti-war movement. Dave Chappelle, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, people inside the Screen Actors Guild, and people inside the State Department are opposing what the United States is doing. That's where the excitement is that there are contradictions inside the system that we have to pay attention to. But I want to begin always with the human toll. So Nada Bashir, who's pretty terrific, uh, so Farid says, Nada, tell us something about the condition in Gaza, because these numbers are trucks from everywhere I've seen. This is a trickle of what would be needed to keep these people alive. Sorry to text you on. No, no, I'm not sorry. That question is already the politics of this conversation. Yeah, there's humanitarian aid, and, you know, it's a trickle of what would be needed to keep these people alive. Okay, Nada Bashir. Absolutely. Trickle is certainly the best way to describe it, Farid. We haven't seen that influx of aid that is so desperately needed inside the Gaza Strip. As you mentioned there, 15 trucks have been moved towards the crossing area as seen by our CNN teams on the ground. There, towards the Rafah border. The Rafah border is the border between Egyptian, Egypt and Gaza. On the Egyptian side, but they have not yet to pass security clearance have yet to actually pause and cross into the Gaza Strip. So that means that the United States and Egypt and Israel control even the passageway into Gaza 
and they won't even bring the trucks in for the alleged humanitarian aid. But of course, there's a huge amount of international pressure on getting aid into those inside Gaza. We know that the civilian death toll is counting. We know that hundreds of thousands of people have been displaced, and this is all being exacerbated by the ongoing siege. No fuel, no water, food, electricity is getting in. And we've heard the warnings from the aid groups on the ground. We've heard that the warning for the medical teams on the ground who are struggling to continue to provide crucial medical support during the siege. Now, of course, we've heard warnings from the United Nations saying that what we're witnessing now is a humanitarian catastrophe unfolding in Gaza. We've heard today that the UN's World Food Program, they're appealing for 74 million to support their relief efforts over the next 90 days. But Biden is offering, again, billions and billions to Israel. 818-985-5735, take option two. I'm probably not going to get to the phones. Sorry, but I really want to focus on (laughs) what I want to tell you. And also I want to focus on the last day of the fund drive. You, You need to know that my ability to come into the studio and talk to you it would only exist, and Gary Baca to be here, because I volunteer for this show, and the people who uh, work here, uh, <laughs> they're working at, uh, let's say, very modest, modest, modest salaries to just keep a roof over their head and some food in their mouth. So 818-985-5735, option two, for $250, you get the Al-Nakba for DVD set, plus my book, Playbook for Progressives. For $100, make sure to tell them you are one Eric Mann's Playbook for Progressives. And uh, uh, Terry Guy and the other people on the phones. Then next Tuesday, I'm going to come in with a whole box of playbooks to make sure that they have enough for the thousands of you who are going to call in. Last week, nine people called in, by the way. Thank you so, so much. And we raised almost $1,000. And yes, thanks to Leanne's man who gave $200, and I'll read the names of all the people that gave money, okay? So 818-985-5735, option two, stand up for Channing Martinez in South Central, stand up for the people of Gaza, and stand up for this show, Voices from the Frontlines. I want you to go on VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com and register. That's the vote of comp. We don't need your money. We need your sign-up. KPFK needs your money. Um, I'm going to move to, I want to make sure that I get to read uh, Obama because I'm going to talk about all the conflicts, but Barack Obama, who I'm profoundly critical of in a million different ways, um, has written an amazing debate with Israel. Uh, It says, ahead of the expected ground invasion of the Gaza Strip by the Israeli military, this is the the preface, former President Barack Obama spoke out about the deadly conflict in the Middle East on Monday, reiterating that Israel has the right to defend itself against violence, like the terrorist attacks inflicted by militant group Hamas. Now, Israel, of course, you have to start the conversation with Israel has the right to defend itself. That's okay, folks. The People's Republic of China is now saying that. That's sort of the entry into the conversation. So it's true, but it's also a throwaway line. You need to know that. It's, you have to say that 
just to even be in the conversation because of the power Israel has all over the world and the power the United States has. But he warns that any Israeli military strategy, strategy, strategy center, <laughs> info at the strategycenter.com, that ignores the human cost could ultimately backfire. This is a major strategic challenge to Israel about hurting U.S. interests and his own, but is also rooted in some genuine sympathy for Palestinian civilians. This is terrific. U.S. strategic interests, Palestine's strategic interests, Obama a little bit, and I know all the horrible things, you know, I don't have to go through that, is leaning towards this multipolar world because U.S. imperialism cannot try to dominate the whole world. It's strategic disagreement. Okay, here's a statement. Uh, let me see if I can... Uh, oh, I'm going to read it because it's sort of... Uh, I'm going to read it. It's got some commentary and then his quotes. In more than a thousand-word statement posted on the online site Medium, Obama said that the dire humanitarian outcomes of cutting off food, water, and electricity and gather... Gaza could, quote, further, further harden Palestinian attitudes for generations, erode global support for Israel, play into the hands of Israel's enemies, and undermine long-term efforts to achieve peace and stability in the region. When you listen to the counterinsurgency people, they're saying we want to wipe out Hamas so it can never come back again. And Obama's saying these people are going to fight you for generations and generations. You're not going to wipe them out as long, unless the Israelis are saying, what if I kill every Palestinian? And that's why we have to be worried about the genocidal answer to Obama's challenge. Uh, at the same time, he urged Israel military to conduct strategies that abide by international law, including those laws that seek to avoid, to every extent possible, the death or suffering of civilian populations. Even as we support Israel, we should also be clear that how Israel prosecutes this fight against matter, Hamas matters, Obama. Already, thousands of Palestinians have been killed in the bombing of Gaza, many of them children. This is Obama. He also waded into the seemingly out-of-reach goal of ultimately carving out a nation for the Palestinian people, calling for acknowledging that Palestinians have also, also, lived in disputed territories for generations, while criticizing the Israeli settlers that are taking over Palestinian territory in the West Bank. That is the best and perhaps only way to achieve the lasting peace and security most Israeli and Palestinians uh, long for. Uh, he says, some Palestinian leaders, this is Eric Manuel, Voices from the Frontlines, Listen to this. Who have been willing to make concessions for a two-state solution have too often had little to show for their efforts. He nodded to the tendency in Israeli-Palestine conflict for Israeli hardliners to broadly accuse the Jewish state's criticism of anti-Semitism. Note their attacks on people like me as uh, self-hating Jews and their attacks on black people as anti-Semites. He even says, I'm an anti-Semite because I support Palestine, which is stupid because uh, Semitic people are all over the Middle East. Okay. It's possible for people of goodwill to champion Palestinian rights and oppose certain Israeli government policies in the West Bank and Gaza 
without being anti-Semitic. This is major, folks. This is a stripping off Israeli armor about the rights of the Palestinian people, humanitarian abuses, that ch challenging Israel is not anti-Semitic. That is major. Uh, Obama's echo statements, echo positions he took during and before his administration as he continued to back a two-state solution to the long-running conflict. From the early days of his presidency, Obama pressed a tough stance on Israeli settlements in the West Bank, demanding that Israel hold all settlement activity to build a movement of peace. As President Obama tried to broker peace talks in 2013, but they collapsed soon after, he's always had a frosty relationship with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. To show you how much power, power Netanyahu had during Obama's presidency, he gave a, a talk to the U.S. Congress. Why? Because the U.S. Congress, not just Republicans, but Democrats who are terrified of the power of Israel, that Israel is a major force in the politics of the United States, organizing, yes, I think the organized majority of the Jewish population, to say any criticism of Israel, any discussion of the rights of Palestinians is anti-Semitic, and we're not going to vote for you. Any concern for Palestine and the uh, Jewish Political Action Committee, uh, American Israel Political Action Committee, will destroy you, just like the National Rifle Association. So any effort to take on Israel, any effort to support the role of the Palestinians is political suicide in most parts of the United States, which means you've got a lot of guts to do it. And I want to seriously thank, thank Barack Obama. I'm going to have a couple more statements. Uh, how many more minutes do I got, Gary? Four. Okay. So you're on, this is Eric Mann. You're on KPFK, 90.7 FM, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, streaming on the web, kpfk.org. Call 818-985-5735. Do it for me. How's that? Do it for voices from the front lines, not just abstractly, but if you like Channing Martinez politically, if you like Eric Mann politically, 818-985-5735. Option two is to give money. And $250, you get the Al Nakba amazing 4 DVD set. And Eric Mann's playbook. For $100, you get Eric Mann's playbook. Okay. In his medium post, Obama also packed the strategy uh, that Biden and his top diplomatic and military advice have begun, using the balance of U.S. support for Israel with concerns about the middle, the well-being of Gaza civilians in the worst-case scenario of a wider Middle East conflict. As the Washington Post reported this week, Biden and his administration have begun reminding Netanyahu, quote, that democracies like Israel and the United States are stronger and more secure when we act according to the rule of law. Obama said it's understandable in the wake of the deadly Hamas attack on Israel that many Israelis have demanded that the government do whatever it takes to root out Hamas, make sure such attacks never happen again. But the former president noticed that Hamas's military operations are deeply embedded within Gaza, and its leadership seems to intentionally hide among civilians, thereby endangering the very people they claim to uh, represent. The former president said that he found Israel's decision to allow relief trucks into Gaza, a move that was prompted in part by the Biden administration, an encouraging step 
but said more needs to be done by the international community to accelerate the delivery of critical aid. Okay, last thoughts. Obama's disagreeing with Biden. Biden is a dog. Biden has said, I would not call for a ceasefire until all the hostages are released, which is ridiculous, because that's the only leverage that Hamas has right now. Biden is sabotaging the humanitarian aid. But Obama has to act like Biden is doing what he wants because Biden's running for re-election if he lives, and Obama cannot indicate that he disagrees with uh, Biden. So, folks, read, 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 but read between the lines. This is a struggle between Obama and Biden. It's a struggle between Obama and Israel. It's a struggle on Netanyahu, and we haven't even discussed, I'll do it next week, the efforts of the United States to bring the Palestinian Authority in to Gaza later against the wishes of the people who support uh, Hamas. I mean, who support, yeah. So, um, uh, see, I hope I got it right. Okay, so let me say this. Um, This is beyond my capacity to understand. I'm talking to you to understand it myself. I read to understand right now. I'm very good at what I understand, teaching it to you. But I'm mainly a student every morning to know that 90% or 99% of the world is what I do not understand. If you like that, be a loyal listener to Voices from the Frontlines. Send us an email at voicesfromthefrontlines.com and give money to KPFK 818-985-5735. Zarek Mann, I'll see you next week. All power to the people. Again, big thanks to Gary Baca, who makes this whole thing happen. The end is near, and so I got to face the final curtain, curtain. Friends, I'll say it clear.